Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is Strictly Confidential. something before we get into anything else yeah so in this episode we may a couple times hear my wife or my sister-in-law say something and that is because they are in the next room watching on headphones because audio quality the tv show riverdale (laughs) now the reason i need to say that is because i've been watching riverdale since season one not because it's good And it's an anomaly here that I can't figure out at all because every time I've watched a TV show that's bad, my first thought has been, hey, uh, let's turn this off. (laughs) Yeah. But for some reason, this show mixes everything I have always loved in terms of media together from Twin Peaks style atmosphere to X-Files style mystery to um, Archie comics, even something I grew up on and loved a ton. And it does all three of those things combined worse, and I can't stop watching it. (laughs) I mean, mean, deep down, everyone, no matter how artsy you consider yourself, everyone is an entertainment raccoon. We love good garbage. And for some reason, there's something so weird about this show that I can't get out of my head either, because it's... So these students are high schoolers, right? I'd assume so. But yeah, this is going to spoil something, so if you are interested in watching Riverdale. Asher doesn't get an opt out of this, but I would recommend skipping ahead at least a minute. But right now they are going like in the same episode, giving two things the exact same weight. And one of them is that the like the boss at a prison is taking inmates and using them to fight against each other for taxpayer money in boxing style Mandingo fighting style matches, but with white guys. Okay, I blacked out for a second. This is happening in the Archie show? In the Archie show. And then along with that, at the same level of importance, they're deciding who's going to be Homecoming King. (laughs) I I thought those comics were about the funny paper hat kid eating lots of cheeseburgers. Yeah, they took that funny paper hat kid and all they did was take the names of the people in it and move them into a different, darker, darker show. And for some reason, I am just drawn to it where I can't stop watching it. And all I can think about when we're watching it is we should stop watching this. But then the second the episode ends, I think something about that. I'm going to do the unthinkable and trash on Scooby-Doo for just a second and say that it's that the Archie universe is a lot like the Scooby-Doo universe. You know, there's the Scooby-Doo that looks like Family Guy. There's Scooby-Doo Apocalypse and is all these things that. It is such a bland template that you can kind of apply it to anything. And it's really just the name and the license that sells. Yeah. And that's the whole idea of this show is that somebody saw these comics were really successful. And I don't know how actually insanely successful they were because I just only ever saw them in grocery stores. But the idea that these comics were successful means that people are thinking now, Let's make a TV show out of that. Let's make a thing out of that. But they don't do what people typically do, where it's like, let's make a loving adaptation where everything fits exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, I mean, during the 70s, 60s and 70s, little comics history for you, it did sell extremely well. Uh, Competed with Spider-Man. And I think, you know, you see it at the grocery store. 
and I don't know who's buying those, but you still get, I mean, just even from having such a massive success decades ago, people recognize the name and you can, you can definitely write off of that. And speaking of things that I've never seen, Shirley Temple. (laughs) Yeah. Allianne is in the studio, big air quotes here. I'm doing the quote marks in the air thing. Uh, and she rolled her eyes so hard that now the entire episode is derailed. I can't focus. I'm, th- I'm totally off. I deserved it, though. I bet. This actually goes great with the intro topic that you brought, because this is another thing that was wi- wildly successful decades ago that we only know through weird, like we only know it through the grocery aisle, the Archie comics. And everyone I know only knows about Shirley Temple because of the Cartoon Network infomercials. That played about every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You got to see an episode of Kids Next, like Codename Kids Next Door, in between your viewings of the Shirley Temple Little Darling complete DVD collection. Now in both full color and the original black and white, fully restored. I always loved that if I was to watch a Codename Kids Next Door episode on Netflix or something now, it would take, I don't know, uh, eight minutes maybe to watch a full episode. But when you watch it on Cartoon Network, it takes... I don't know, two hours? Yeah, I mean, you can just estimate run times by Shirley Temple Little Darling DVD collections now available at home on home video. Like, oh, it's about two Shirley Temple DVD collections long. I, re- I remember the line of, these films brought a nation out of the darkest times because they were made during the Great Depression. Right. Imagine what they could do for your family now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't what you're going through less bad than that? <laughs> it's like they someone cracked a smile on their way back from the bread line at these movies. You're going to be ecstatic. Okay, I'm going to steal something from you. We're going to hit the music and we're going to get those fast facts. Shirley Temple was an American actress, singer, dancer, diplomat, and Hollywood's number one box office draw as a child actress from 1935 to 1938. Did you start the clock? Uh, yeah. Can't you hear it? Did you tell our producer to start the clock? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> the producer, start the clock! Born April 23rd, 1928. The, uh, really, actually, that's all I'm gonna give you for now. Hit it! Kill it! That's the most basic, but I really want to explain why this person is of any merit at all. And that's really, uh, like we think of her today is just a movie star from back in the olden days, but it is unreal how big of a deal Shirley Temple was in the 30s. To put it in perspective of money, bearing in mind that this was the 30s and the Great Depression, within the first three years of the Shirley Temple films being produced, Her merchandising had generated $45 million, and that's in 1930s money during the Great Depression when people could barely buy food for themselves, still managed to scrape together some dimes, nickels, to buy their children a Shirley Temple doll that they desperately wanted. It's all they wanted was a Shirley Temple doll polka dot dress. Do you have what that money amounts to in today's currency? I don't have... I don't even have to do that. That's the crazy thing. That's a lot of money in today's money. That's so fair. 
So it being a lot of money today, during the Great Depression, it was obscene. In Shirley Temple's very first contract for 26 films, and bear in mind, like a film was seven or eight minutes, about the length of a Looney Tunes cartoon in the 30s, and a full-length film is what we call a film today, about an hour, hour and a half. So she just started out in films, making uh, $50 a week. Okay, that's not bad for a child, but in 1933, when she had her very first full-length film, Stand Up and Cheer, starring Shirley Temple, her salary was raised to $1,000 a week. That's more than I make. These sums were stratospheric during the Great Depression, when many could barely rub two nickels together. That's from thevintagenews.com. I think it's fair to say that we still have not seen in our lifetime a celebrity reach this level of fame. Well, so what's the time period that Shirley Temple was actually famous as an artist? As an actress, she was famous for actually only about four years. Pretty short run, it would seem. But this was... Uh, flash in a pan, I guess, in a good way. Lightning in a bottle, another good way to say that. Theodore Roosevelt, the president of the United States, during our nation's most trying times, said, as long as our country has Shirley Temple, we will be all right. And remind me of what actual time period that was. Like year, I mean, a general idea of the years, because I know so little about our own history that I need that. 1935 to 1938. So even saying in our lifetimes is crazy because you and I are only around 24 and 25, right? That's true. In both our and our parents, almost our grandparents' lifetimes. More than three of our current lifetimes. We haven't seen anybody nearly as prominent as she has been, right? No, I don't think so. Because she was so singular. Like, she stood out above the rest. The second most popular actor whose name I can't remember now, and that's pretty telling, uh, his salary and his notoriety paled in comparison to hers. I think it was Michael Caine. You're right. How did you know that? <laughs> but yeah, I, that... <laughs> He's been acting for 120 years. <laughs> he really did have his first film, I think, in 1951, but still. He's great. Michael Caine. He's great. Don't, don't mean any, any, any shame on Michael Caine, unless he becomes a bad person. Yeah, unless we find out he's been terrible this whole time, as tends to want to happen these days. Then then we do have shame on him. But until then, he's a great guy. But okay, yeah. so I don't have any dirt on this girl yet. I'm just giving you, like, Hollywood history. And that's not really what we're about. What's the secret? What's the rub? And I'm not talking about those nickels we rub together. Well, when you have someone who is that unfathomably famous both in the United States and around the world because Hollywood had now reached all other English-speaking countries, there's going to be some rumors. What didn't help is that Fox lied a good bit about where she came from and kind of intentionally left it mysterious, it seems. We know a lot more from her autobiography, but in her movies, if you haven't seen the commercial somehow, because you've never turned on a television, or maybe you've seen a film that she's been in. I'm sure not going to do that, but maybe you have and you've loved it. She is a singer, a dancer, uh, a, whatever the third thing is that makes you a triple threat. Very, very talented. Act for, actor? Uh, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, actor? I think so. But her abilities seem to be beyond her age and her appearance. Of course, remember, this is the Great Depression, so everyone was looking pretty gaunt. And everyone's every child had their hair styled like the adults. Uh, Shirley Temple, uh, you know, making six figures in the 30s was pretty well fed. So by their definition, she was pretty stocky. Mm -hmm. Uh, In an era where being where if you're a woman who's over 100 pounds, you're considered heavy. Yeah, it was very popular across the pond in England. The idea that Shirley Temple was not a girl at all, but actually a 30 year old dwarf woman who had a child of her very own that was being kept secret. Okay, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> Why? Well, the first it, question is, has no one in England ever seen a child? Why does the theory require there to be another child? I think that just really, I think that's just really sends it home. You know, like, not only is she not a child, she has her own child. That's how old she is. So that's just kind of a another point. To, well, I guess also in that time period, if you were over 23 and you didn't have a child, what were you doing? Right. Is exactly. another part of it. So it may have just been, oh, she's 30 years old. She's got to have a child. But that's, and this is this is actually probably even easier to believe today than it was back then, because I remember I recently went to a cafe that had these old black and white photos of a local high school, and it was from the yearbook. Um, I guess it was like, I don't know, their their football team or something that won a big game. Uh, and I could not figure out why they had rows of photos of the teachers until I realized that those were the children. They all looked like they were in their 30s until you got close and you realized they all have like baby skin. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Because for some the reason- identifying feature of a child. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The baby skin. I think it's just the hair. I think it's just, I think it's the hair is a big thing because I see a woman who has the exact same hair as my 80 year old grandmother does right now. She doesn't look like a 17 year old with that hair. It's just my, my brain doesn't know how to categorize it and it makes me uncomfortable. That's my own personal problem. Let's talk about Shirley Temple's problems. How do you make a child star, Jackson? There's only one way. You pretend you have a midget. Mm-hmm. No, you take a midget and use that person to fake a child. Right, exactly. That's the only way you can have someone that small be coordinated enough to dance on screen. Well, it was believable enough that the Vatican sent an emissary to the United States to investigate. I... Don't I have I read that sentence yesterday and it still has not sunk in. Turns out back in the day, the Vatican was kind of like a neutral third party and it was still respected as being kind of like an impartial, honest, unbiased uh, entity. The Vatican is like the ruling party of the Catholic Church. Am I wrong? Yeah. OK, I I super got it confused with the ruling government in the Twilight series that the Volturi. Yeah, the Volturi. Go on. These are just, this is the Catholics, not even in the United States, sent Father Mario Masante to the United States because he had to get to the bottom of, quote, a persistent rumor that Shirley Temple is no child at all. 
I would 100% watch this movie. Of it being true that she's a midget? No, of the team going across, like a biopic done in the style of Social Network or something, of the team that decided to send a father across the world to make sure that the Americans weren't faking a person. (laughs) It was the most important thing to do in the 30s. There was nothing more pressing during that time. Well, it's it's funny, but it was not always great for Shirley. Uh, People were so convinced that her entire act was a fake that uh, paparazzi and like fans, quote unquote, would reach out and yank her hair to try to see if it was a wig. Uh, So that's not great. Another quote unquote piece of evidence is that we we've seen Shirley like on screen from age three till 10 11, 12, like her whole childhood, and she never lost a single tooth. You see her give a big, big old grin on camera all the time, never missing any teeth, which would be really common for kids that age. So So clearly she already has all of her adult teeth. None of her baby teeth are falling out because they fell out years ago. So question, I can guarantee you said this, but I know that I forgot, and that means probably at least one other listener forgot Thank you, MVP listener. How old was she at this time? So in the four years. So uh, she was 40 because she was we're going with the narrative right now that she was an adult. OK, what what did America pitch her as age wise? Um, the producers of the movies were pretending that she was between the ages of six and ten. OK, yeah, I believe she was 40. <laughs> Imagine being a six to ten year old girl or boy, or any gender at this point, really any child of that age, and having people come up to you and say, are you really a 40-year-old midget with your own child? And then pull your hair. And then pull your hair. You would crack in a heartbeat. Well, the thing is, that is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to abuse of actresses in those days, unfortunately. The real way that you make a child star is to have a abusive parent who didn't succeed in her own career and is determined to force their child to succeed. Uh, So she was pushed into dance class by her mother at age three. Not even sure I was fully confident to sit on a toilet by myself at age three. I was a little bit of a late bloomer with the potty training. I'll admit that. Are you now? Am I now? No, dude. Now I have flushable wet wipes. Now going to the bathroom is a delight. Flushable wet wipes is self-care. Some of the things that she talked about in her biography, by the way, is some of the punishments for acting up and not following the rules or directions that that child stars receive during the day, which are 100% crimes now, uh, but it just made them tougher back then. Uh, If she did not do as she was told... The starter was that they would make you stand barefoot in a cold puddle. Uh, I mean, that's what it's just hard to understand. Like, that's miserable. That's terrible. But what does they just have a cold puddle on hand? And what does that do? How does what does that accomplish? It's just punishment. But I feel like there's other I feel like even spanking them is like quicker and more humane than making them stand in a cold puddle. I feel like if that's that common of a punishment, they just actively always had a cold puddle nearby. Like, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like listen, man, if it was, I told it was my, the 30s. 
if I told my child to look in the corner, like go sit in the corner of a room, most of the time, my room's going to have a corner. I can't think of the nearest cold puddle right now. We're on the set of a multi-million dollar movie production, which is more money than most of us will see in our lifetimes. And it's the 30s. Uh, can we get this mopped up, please? This cold puddle? No, 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 no. Then how are we going to punish people? And if that didn't work, the quote of final satanic option in her words was being forced to sit on an ice block inside, <laughs> quote, a black box. Jesus, like going for like downright psychological torture. Um, it seems, though, she did not go down the Disney Channel route and ended up actually being a stable, happy, confident dwarf woman. Yeah, I well, don't know. Actually, we're going to go ahead and stick with the ruling by Father Mario, who traveled so far to investigate the young actress, who upon his arrival at her home immediately concluded, obviously, she is not. That's the quote. <laughs> and that's it. And they're, and they're like, yep, that's all we needed. Obviously, she is not a, oh, a, ba- a baby a girl or 40. They don't say. So we're going to assume that we're going to assume that Shirley Temple is old as heck. As a quick bonus, I'll give you some kind of prize if you can name three of the movies that Shirley Temple was in. John Wick. Animal Crackers in My Soup is not a name of one of the movies. John Wick, John Wick 2, John Wick 3 Parabellum. (laughs) She played Q in those movies. Wait, I thought she was Keanu Reeves. Despite like being mega, mega successful, she did have a pretty short run because like, say, Macaulay Culkin, all the charm just came from the fact that she was a child. So she kind of had an expiration date when she turned 14 and she basically hit puberty. Everyone was like, eh, her tomboyish charms did not work on America. And from 14 to 21, she only appeared in a few films. And then at 22, she announced her retirement from Hollywood entirely. So being probably the richest child on the face of the planet in all of human history, besides maybe, I don't know, a prince of Egypt, she was completely pushed out of the limelight by the second that she turned 14 and didn't have the uh, the little kid charm. Because, man, our grandparents and our great-grandparents loved little kids acting like adults. That was the funniest shit they had ever seen and the most charming thing they'd ever seen. That's entirely what, I mean, Charlie Brown was just called Little Folks <laughs> before it was named to, renamed to Peanuts, which Charles Schultz hated. He liked the name Charlie Brown much better, so I just call it that. But... Uh, So much entertainment was just based around like little kids doing adult things. And that was just the pinnacle of comedy. So once it was an adult doing adult things, eh. Uh, Happy ending. She went on to be a ambassador for the United States in Czechoslovakia and had a very successful career as a diplomat and uh, died in good spirits as an old woman in her late 80s. Uh, All in all, a pretty cool life considering the borderline torture that she endured and that we know that child stars usually don't come out all right. Well, there are exceptions to that, but yeah, that is, that's a good way to end that story. Yeah, the only way, the only exception I can think of is the Sprouse twins, although only one made it to Riverdale, so. Yeah, but the other one owns his own mead brewery in uh, upstate New York, which is awesome. God, they're so cool. And then Cole Sprouse also 
I think it's called maybe Dylan has an Instagram called camera. <laughs> Who can tell has an Instagram called camera duels where he will upload photos of people taking photos of him. Whoops. We accidentally started recording our other weekly podcast. Funnier Twitter, Twitter. That's better than our show. <laughs> we always end up there. Well, now that we're off the Great Depression, do you want to dive deep into uh, the mountains? That's not how that works. Well, we're, you, uh, I mean, unless the mountains go down into like a mine shaft. Do you want to? That hit sounds the, exciting. Let's do that. Let's hit the Snopes. So, Asher, I'm about 70% sure that we haven't done this one yet, but this one is. One I've been worried about for a long time. I don't typically get anxiety about going to sleep or anything like that. I typically will go to sleep and wake up the next morning not really worrying about much. But in this situation, this is something that made me worry a lot. Do people okay. swallow eight spiders a year? Oh, no. And this is the question. You've heard this before, right? Where somebody will yeah. sneak up to you and be like, hey, you want to have your day ruined? Did you know that yeah. the average person actually, did you know that every person swallows up to eight spiders per year? What's really funny is the eight is so arbitrary because you could scare me enough by saying that there is one that I ate in my lifetime. That's eight. already too much. Yeah. Eight a year is a buck wild, but you'll be comforted to know that this is entirely false. And the way Snopes presents this whole thing is so good because they talk about it as they start off by saying the, this myth flies in the face of both spider and human biology, which makes it which makes it highly unlikely that a spider would ever end up in your mouth. Basically, in terms of on the spider side, uh, Bill Shear, a biology professor at Hampton Sydney College in Virginia, says that spiders regard us much like they'd regard a large rock. We're so large that we're really just part of the landscape for them. Which is comforting in general as well, not just in sleep. Yeah, but I mean, that makes them, that means they're less scared of us. And I would like them to be scared of us, even when we're sleeping. Well, then the human side will help a little bit. Remember, if someone is sleeping with their mouth open, they're probably snoring. That's the main reason people sleep with their mouth open. And that's going to scare off any eight-legged transgressors anyways. You're right. A spider would have to be very determined to get and, into this screaming hole. And this is the scary part. It says, plus, many people would likely be awakened by the sensation of a spider crawling across <laughs> like their that. face. <laughs> that part is terrifying. But yeah, that's... You can't swallow a spider while you're screaming in terror. That's a good point. Thank you, National Geographic. You can't you, swallow Geographic. a spider while you're punching your own face. And I don't think, I mean, the rationale that I've heard is that they like a warm, damp place. That is not a spider's M.O. at all. Mm -mm. There are plenty of insects that do want that warm, damp place, but that's really more mold and fungi. And it's not, that's not a spider thing. They like dry, dark, uh, generally cool places. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Can the United States get over eating bugs? Can we just get over that? I, spiders aren't bugs. I understand. Well, they Grasshoppers are. Grasshoppers and ants are a great source of protein, and every other country in the world eats them. Can we get over ourselves a little bit? It's eco-friendly. It's sustainable. It's cheap. 
It's disgusting. I get it. <laughs> I get it now. I, I actually just figured it out. It's gross. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, if your partner is keeping up at night with his or her snoring, drown it out with the sweet, sweet sound of Glenn Merle. He wrote our theme song. It's called Threadbare, off the album Burden of Proof. Uh, he's got lots of great music, so check him out on Spotify or iTunes or any place that streams music. Uh, he makes our show seem really professional with his very excellently, excellently produced tunes. So always want to be thankful and grateful to him for letting us use it. And thanks to Connor Voigt for the jingle for Hit the Snopes. Uh, it was good to have it back. I missed it. Yeah, I did too. And then if you want to follow us on our social media, we've got an Instagram at Strictly Confidential Show and a Twitter at S Confident Show because Jack from Twitter won't give us more characters. And our email is strictlyconfidentialshow at gmail.com if you want to send us questions, concerns, stuff we got wrong, stuff we got right. That'd be kind of weird. But anything. Just give us a pat on the back. Hey, that was correct. Good job. Hey, you didn't donk up this one. I kind of need that reinforcement in my life, so that would be appreciated. If you would like to take on the burden of validating us constantly, then you can be on our show as an interviewee if you have a topic or a story that you would like to share. Uh, it helps if you're a personal friend of one of us, but that is not a requirement. And if you have a best friend, tell them that they should listen to this show, because if you like it, they probably like it. You got similar taste. I'm not asking you to make, like bug everybody on social media and start a campaign for us. Just tell one other person. That's how this kind of thing grows. Yeah, and I think that's all we do. That's all we do. So until next time, I've been Asher. I've been Jackson. And you've been listening to Strictly Confidential. And as always, stay curly. Oh.